Welcome to the Karis Curious Digital Show and Podcast, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness, things that make your body, mind, and spirit better. I'm Kara Sundlin. This episode is sponsored by the Center for Advanced Reproductive Services. Well, you're about to hear about a go-to resource for parents for two decades. Best-selling parent guide, Happiest Baby on the Block, is now celebrating its 20th anniversary. And here with us now, I'm so excited, is author and pediatrician, Dr. Harvey Karp, who I know many of you listening know all about you. Welcome, doctor. Thanks, Kara. Great to see you. I got to say, your book, Happiest Baby on the Block, was certainly recommended as must do reading when I was having my babies. I even had a doula who was trained as a happiest baby on the block facilitator at Hartford Healthcare, and um, we learned a lot. But for those who don't know about it, um, and if you're having babies, you need to know about it, uh, tell us a little bit about what you discovered that makes baby ha- babies happy. Well, you know, the way I would always teach my patients is that there are three jobs you have for being a successful parent in those first months. Feed the baby, calm the crying, and get sleep. Um, For the most part, there's lots of resources for feeding your baby, breastfeeding, bottle feeding, lactation consultants, doulas, lots and lots of help. But in many ways, we prepare parents for failure about baby calming and sleep. And and parents are told, some babies just cry, there's nothing you can do about it. You got to wait four or five months, or babies don't sleep well in the beginning, it's going to take four or five months, and then you may have to let them cry it out. And yet, those can't be right. And the reason that we know they can't be right is because when parents are really desperate, we pediatricians whisper this magic approach to them. And we say, if you're really, really struggling, there's a magic way you can get your baby to sleep more and and cry less. Drive them all night in the car. And it works. I mean, and we know even adults fall asleep in trains and planes and cars, and we like the sound of the wind and the ocean. It turns out those rhythms imitate the baby's experience in the womb. And when you do it in a very particular way, you're oftentimes able to to flip a switch almost, to trigger a reflex. And that's really what the happiest baby is about. It's describing that babies have kind of an off switch for crying and an on switch for sleep that people really weren't aware of before. Yeah, and to get there, you talk about the five S's. What are the five S's? So the five S's are five specific things that begin with S that you can do to soothe your baby and promote sleep. So there's swaddling, the side or stomach position, not for sleep. For sleep, it's just the back. But for calming crying, the back is actually the worst position. The third S is shushing or white noise. The fourth is swinging or rhythmic motion. And the fifth is sucking. And and the reason that those are useful is because it turns out that in the womb, it's not quiet and still in there. It is a symphony of sensations. (laughs) The sound is louder than a vacuum cleaner. They're constantly rocking. Even when you're sleeping, your diaphragm is rocking your baby. They're held really, really snugly. And so then they're born. We take everything away from them (laughs) and we put them on the back looking up at the sky in a dark, quiet room. And then we wonder, why is the baby not sleeping well? It's because you just removed all of those rhythms that babies love and that they feel secure with. And so when you do this in the right way, you're triggering something that's called a calming reflex. It's literally um, kind of like hitting your knee with a reflex hammer. You know, the doctor does that and your foot jumps out. Um, Oftentimes when your baby is crying and you do these five S's in combination, you're able to see literally in seconds 
a change in the baby's, uh, you know, calming. So this book, as you said, has really hasn't had to change much because babies haven't changed, but we have changed. I'm just curious, though, how did you come to even write this book? And did you have any idea it would become to the point that, like, you're a question on Jeopardy? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen when you write a book, but but I knew from in my pediatric practice, I practiced for about 30 years out here in, in, in Santa Monica, California. Um, I knew how I was able to help people. And people would meet each other in the park and they'd see that their baby is swaddled and they're doing this funny thing. And people would go, who's your pediatrician? And it was kind of like a little story here in, in Santa Monica. People would recognize because it's a bit odd. The, the, these, these techniques, like the shushing is shh. When a baby is crying, you have to shush as loud as they're crying. Otherwise, they don't hear you. But it can feel like you're saying shut up or something, you know, more rude. Um, the jiggly motion, you have to let the head bobble a little bit, kind of like jello on a plate. If you're rocking a baby that's screaming, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You're never going to get there. I can see you bringing, you know, feeling that. You uh, I know, that, I, I, that it's feeling? like, it's reflexive. I'm still, I remember coming back to work and I would be doing live shots and I'd find myself swaying. <laughs> and swaying is great for when a baby is asleep. When, when you, here's the weird thing. People sometimes go, well, I don't want them getting used to swaddling or white noise. Or don't they get dependent on it? Or What's interesting is we all have sleep cues that help us sleep. I mean, our bed, our mattress, our comforter, our pillows, our sheets, we like it quiet, we like white noise, we like the radio on, we like it light, we like it dark. Whatever that is that makes it better for you becomes kind of a habit, but it's a good habit, right? It kind of helps you fall asleep. Well, like when you go to a hotel, you don't usually go to a hotel unless they have beds and pillows. You know, so you can you go to a hotel that has your sleep cues, and some people even bring their pillow with them. So it's the same thing with babies. Why, when they're born, should we take away everything that they're used to for sleep? Yeah. What sense does that make? Well, we know that babies want nothing more than to be rocked and shushed and, and soothed. So there's so much new stuff out there, even since when I had my kids and certainly since I was a baby, um, so much technology. Is there any that you actually recommend for baby tech? Well, I'm kind of, I mean, it's kind of funny for me. I mean, I'm a pretty low tech person. I, you know, use old home remedies rather than medicines if you can avoid medicine. You know, less is more very often with little kids. However, what what we've learned, like you said, it's been 20 years since, since this book came out. And actually, just a side note, um, while I love the book and I think it's it's interesting, it's got a lot of anthropology and interesting stories about parents and different cultures. Um, what I've found over and over again is that parents learn these techniques the best by watching our little 30-minute video. Because it's kind of like learning how to tie your shoelaces. You know, once you get it, it's super easy, but it's a little counterintuitive to start. And especially for guys, it turns out that men are terrible at breastfeeding, but we're very, very good at baby calming. The swaddling is like an engineering job, you know, and and our arms are maybe a little bit longer and and better able to do that jiggle stuff. Um, And so men really, really love learning these techniques. And it's taught in military bases and fatherhood programs and things like that. So, um, and 
you know, no offense to my my brothers out there, but you know, reading a 220 page book and you know, assimilating all that information, not necessarily something that you've got time for, but a little 30 minute video. And yeah. most people watch it two or three times to really get the techniques down. So that's one little helper. That's not really very high tech. Yeah. But what is high tech is what what we kind of recognize is that even when you teach baby be, people these baby calming techniques, what do you do all night? when the baby is sleeping, how do you get the baby sleeping longer? Because the biggest stressor on new families is exhaustion. It's sleep deprivation. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it turns out if you drive them all night in the car, they'll sleep an extra hour or two. So we know we can add an hour or two to the baby's sleep, but we didn't have a tool that could do that in the home without you having to drive. And so now about six years ago, we introduced this type of a responsive baby bed called snoo. And what Snoo does is it rocks and shushes babies all night, like they're in your arms or, you know, in, in, because you should have your mother or your sister or some helper, you know, with you. But then when the baby cries, it rocks and shushes them a little bit more vigorously, goes up four different levels of jiggliness to soothe. And, and half the time it will soothe the crying baby in, within 30 seconds. And if it doesn't, then it means the baby needs to be fed or diaper changed. And we add an hour or two. And what's really been great is by two months of age, I mean, two month old might go a five hour stretch as their longest stretch of sleep. In snoo, they'll go almost seven hours, which really, really can make a difference in terms of your attitude, your health, your ability to get to work um, and your relationship with everybody else in your family. Right. Well, and you mentioned that, you know, you should have a mother or a sister or all this. And what you mean is that back in the day, I guess we would have had a lot of helpers. And now there may be still some people who can afford to hire help. But otherwise, um, even single parenting. I mean, there are people who are uh, actually, you say, from sleep deprivation, um, your techniques and this new crib, if I can call it that, are actually can help prevent things like postpartum depression at certain levels. Yeah, so we're, we're really trying to, to help create a healthier family unit um, because you should have that help. I mean, if you had a nanny today, you're pretty well off. But 100 years ago, everyone had five nannies, meaning their extended family. So what we've seen with Snoo is that adding an hour or two to the baby's sleep has benefit for, you know, less marital struggles. You know, we're doing studies, actually two studies this year showing improvements in postpartum depression. Uh, the bed prevents rolling over so that we're recognized by the FDA as a breakthrough device for preventing infant sleep death, reducing obesity, improving breastfeeding, reducing car accidents, so many things that happen. Billions of dollars of healthcare costs just from crying babies and exhaustion. And actually billions of dollars of employer costs because you're not retaining people or you know they're not productive or there's higher absenteeism or healthcare costs. And in fact, one of the things that we're very proud of is over the last couple of years, more and more employers are giving this as a benefit to their employees. Thousands of people get free snooze for six months. I mean, anyone can rent this for about $5 a day, but to get it from your corporation, from your employer as a six month sign of their love and dedication and their desire to get you, you know, to be well rested and come back to work. Um, but companies like JP Morgan and Under Armour and Snapchat and many, many companies are giving it for free. Wow. And we hope and, and we're working towards getting insurance companies providing it for free as a covered benefit. So lots is coming. Lots of advances are coming over this next um, year or two. 
Yeah, that's amazing. And it, it looks pretty attractive, too. <laughs> you put some nice things in the design there. Uh, yeah, I like it. The snoo. Um, well, you know, you know, from that point of view, it's it's in it's been in six of the leading museums around the world. It's even in the permanent collection of the Smithsonian Institution. It's won more awards than any baby product. And actually, we're using it in hospitals now. What we've demonstrated is, you know, the nurse, everyone's short staffed. The nurses are frustrated and they're they're overwhelmed ever since COVID. It's just been a really tough slog for them. Each bed rocks and shushes the babies in the hospital and reduces nurse labor four to five hours a day. And so we're in 150 hospitals are now using this in their intensive care, newborn intensive care unit. Um, next to the mother, like Mount Sinai in New York City, next to the mother, they've got a little snoo so that you can put the baby down and the baby is calm while you're trying to get you know, a few hours sleep because you just delivered a baby. So it's a very exciting how this is being advanced across the country. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's great. I, I It didn't exist when I was having kids, but I wish that it did. And <laughs> But, you know, I'm curious about you personally. How did you come to this journey? I know you said you had some advice and it was really working with your patients. How did you discover the five S's? Uh, did you have your own kids? Were you trying these techniques on them? It was really working with patients. When I was a young um, resident at UCLA, um, I had to do a research project. And I thought I had actually been in practice for a year before I went back to, to, um, to study longer. And in, in a lot of people use these burp drops. And I thought, hey, that's a great study. We'll use burp drops and you know show that it reduces colic. And my professor said, mm, I don't think that's going to work so well. Colic is really not about gas, it's really about babies who are overwhelmed and they need help to calm down. And so I started reading and there was actually a lot written about rapping and shushing and and movement. People, I mean, it's just intuitive, right? I mean, when you've got a baby in your arms, like you were bouncing around there, you know, you, your body just recognizes that that's what the babies want. And the more I read about it, the more I realized that um, we kind of missed the boat. You know, it's weird. We can send a man to the moon. You can talk to India in four seconds, but we can't figure out why babies cry. It doesn't make any sense, right? And so now we know that that there's a reflex and that when you do these very specific things, you can settle even colicky babies, usually in, in minutes. And if you can't, then you're doing it right. Actually, that's, that is when babies need medical evaluations, because sometimes colic can be related to a medical problem. Okay. But anyway, so this was a long time ago, then I did it with my patients for about 20 years. And my sisters were saying, why don't you write the book? Why don't you write the book already? And, um, and then, you know, eventually I got around to it. Well, and, and aren't we all glad that you did? And I want to let people know locally in Connecticut, I know that Hartford Hospital did, and, and I'd have to check to see if they still do. They definitely had Happiest Baby on the Block um, facilitators. It's a class you can take. Um, like you said, it's just a DVD. So I know none of us have a lot of time when you have a new baby. Maybe take it ahead of no. time. That'll help you a little bit. Um, and my husband, yeah, he got very good at the swaddling. He preferred he the good. hospital swaddle. Like he said, that was yeah. the best one. I bought all the cute ones. He's like, no, the hospital swaddle is the one you can make the tightest. <laughs> But you have well, your now own we too. Have a new, we have a new one. Yeah, that's rated by the New York Times as the best swaddle in America called Sleepy. And it was funny. I was talking, you know, in, in Los Angeles, you, you do get to rub elbows with a lot of celebrities. And Ashton Kutcher has used Snoo and used the five S's and whatnot. And he was saying he loves it when people don't know the five S's. Because when he comes across a crying baby, he can go, 
give me the baby. And he's like a magician, you know, he can just take the baby, do this and that and that and calm the baby down. So people really feel I've got more guys coming up to me when I'm in an airplane going, you're the dude with the five S's, you know, <laughs> fist pumping me. And That's um, awesome. it, it's really great to kind of give these techniques to, to men to, to be more, more competent. Yeah. But, and then there's the happiest toddler on the block, which is really about kids eight months to five or six years of age. Yeah, tell me a little bit. I know in the interest of time, um, we probably can't go into the happiest toddler as much as I would like, um, as we did with the five S's and the happiest baby in the block. But it really has to do a lot with mirroring. And um, this is a book I, again, wish I would have read um, back when I had kids uh, that were tiny like that. But I think I read other things about mirroring. But what's the what's the trick to learning how to communicate the right way with a toddler? Well, there are tricks and they're tricks that the best preschool teachers know. Which, um, and it's an interesting word mirroring, because when people hear mirroring, they think that you do exactly what the other person does. But actually, it's really more dancing. And it turns out when someone is very upset, the words you say don't matter as much as the way you say the words. Like if someone is grieving, you could say, I am so sorry. I can see how sad you are. That is terrible. Not bad words, but it's completely, you know, antithetical to feeling cared about. And if you don't use words, but use nonverbal communication and you go, oh, wow. wow. That gives a feeling that you care and you're connected. And so with little kids, one of the biggest mistakes I would say that parents make is that when they narrate back what their kids are feeling, they do it in kind of a more too, too calm a way. So like when a little child is upset and we go, honey, mommy knows you want to go outside, but it's raining. We will get all wet. We can't go, you know, and the child's screaming outside, outside. Instead, you, you join with them by using your gestures and your tone of voice. You, you, uh, outside, uh, outside, uh, you, you want to go outside. And after three or four or five times you do that, they go, and then you get to, but no, honey, we can't. So first you have to engage them. And it's not through words, but it's more by the way you gesture and your tone of voice. Wow. There's another 20 or 25 very specific little techniques in The Happiest Toddler. But literally, you can eliminate 50 to 75% of temper tantrums and build emotional resilience with the techniques that, you know, really experienced preschool teachers know. When are you going to write The Happiest Teen? <laughs> The, you know, the joke is that if the happiest toddler works on teens as well. Okay, yeah. So when they're screaming like, Rah! you just go, I know you're upset outside. Okay, <laughs> this time they don't want to go outside. They want to go to a concert or they want to have their phone back. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I mean, we tend to really want to say, hey, wait a second. You know we had an agreement and you didn't live up to, you know, we get right to our point of view. But you have to stop and give three or four sentences of their point of view. You know, look, I know you don't like it. You're frustrated and you're mad at me and you don't want to do this. And I get it because you want to do every blah, blah, blah. And I don't even want to not let you go to the concert. I want you to go to the concert. I just can't because we didn't do the X, Y, and Z. It is using, of course, many more words than a toddler. But again, the tone of voice, the repetition becomes really, really important in having them feel, listen, I may not be able to give you what, I, what you want. But I'm going to give you this consolation prize, which is my respect and my understanding. And then we'll figure out a way that we can find a win-win situation here. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, I want to let everyone know that there's um, information. If you've listened this far and you're thinking, I need more, you can visit thehappiestbaby.com. You can follow you on Instagram at happiest underscore uh, baby. Will there ever be another book? You know, right now our goal is to really get snoo in everyone's hands. Our goal is to have every new parent be able to get a free snoo paid for through their employer or their insurance company. Yeah. So that's the big job for right now. Books will come later on, but for the next few years, it's really about reducing infant sleep death, reducing postpartum depression, and supporting young parents. Well, you are definitely the man to do it. Um, I'm excited to be interviewing the man behind the five S's. <laughs> And yes, you're right. I still know them. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for being with us. And I definitely would love to follow up. And that would be great to see if someday snoo is just one of the things you're given when you go home from the hospital. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get there, to be sure. All right. Thanks, Kara. Thanks, Dr. Carp. Thanks for being with us. And if you want to share this with someone that could really benefit, uh, please do. You can share the link to the podcast or let people know. Uh, we'll have a link on at Kara Sundlin as well. Follow me on social media. Thanks for watching on WFSB+. Hope you have a great day and be well.